Welcome to Creatio's No-Code Podcast, where we discuss insights, tips, success stories, and how to leverage the no-code approach to transform business and deliver applications of any complexity. I'm your host, Jason Miller, head of pre-sales here for Creatio. Today, we're going to continue our discussion with Burley Kawasaki. He is the co-author of the No-Code Playbook. And we're going to talk about the no-code approach and how the no-code approach can be applied throughout your journey for digital application development using the no-code approach. So welcome, Burley. Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't start with the shameless plug of the hardcover no-code playbooks are now available. So not only can you get the get the uh, the, the digital copy on Amazon, you can go to the Creatio website, download it but you can also get the the nice hardcover copy. I will tell you, it is absolutely beautiful. Got uh, Catherine and you on the back cover there. The graphics, the, um, the, the, the illustrations within the book are just phenomenal. I, I, bravo, bravo, my friend. Well, it, all the credit goes to the, the graphic designers and everyone who really uh, put a lot of their talent into making the book feel as as good as the online version. In fact, even better, just because it's so it's such an approachable book uh, for the audience that we are trying to reach, which is typically not a technical audience, right? They're they're not used to picking up an O'Reilly <laughs> textbook or something that's sort of uh, you know very technical and, and blah. So having something that's colorful and, and approachable is, is super important. Yeah, I'm a I'm a you know, contextual type of person. I like to be able to hold the book. Um, that's why when the, when the electronic copy first came out, you know, I, I, I went and printed the whole thing. I will tell you that this is, uh, this is much better to have in my hand. I greatly appreciate it. So, you know, it's, it's interesting throughout the book, you and Catherine lay out the no code approach and, and in this episode and, our, and in the next episode, we're going to talk through different stages of the no code approach. And today we're going to kind of start with the the early portions, and and we're going to throw a quick graphic up on the screen. But it's 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 really meant to focus on. Let's talk about the first four stages first. The first stage that you and Catherine call out in the No Code Playbook is around business use case. Can you talk to us a little bit about what this stage is, and maybe how this is similar and maybe slightly different to how you think about business use case and, and requirement gathering and other traditional SDLCs. Yeah, I, I would say this is, you know, in a lot of ways, the most important uh, stage to get right, because everything sort of that follows it uh, really depends on having uh, really clear uh, guidance on on the vision and requirements for for your no-code application. So, so starting with a, a business use case is, is super important. Um, when, when Catherine and I, you know, were talking about sort of this stage and how important it is, one of the things we realized is, People oftentimes sort of they're, they're so excited about no code development, you, you sort of charge through it and you, you want to get into the design, you want to get into starting to build the app. But before you do that, right, you, you really do need to envision where you're going in the, in the book. I use, you know, a quote uh, for for uh, this actually starting the design phase from Alison Wonderland. And I, I love the quote because it it talks about, you know, if you, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't really matter what path you take. Well, in the. In, in the world we live in with no code apps, you, you do care where you end up, right? And, and the business use case is is really, I think, foundational to help you with that. Um, in a, you, t- you talked about sort of in traditional development methodologies, you would go uh, into a lot of detail and it's not uncommon, I think, that you might spend, you know, 
months, <laughs> you know, trying to capture every last requirement. In, in, in the book, we talk about this notion of a requirements pyramid, which covers the entire range of requirements from, you know, functional to non-functional and everything in between. But with no code, the important thing is we're really focused on the top of the pyramid, which is really around the business process and the sort of the really key business process use cases. Um, we're not trying to cover yet all of the uh, sort of user journeys, the user and functional requirements. Those will come later. We'll talk about that in just a, a bit as we get into later stages. We're also not going to cover sort of the non-functional requirements, things like the technical requirements or you know performance SLAs. Those are important, but the, the thing about no code is that the platform really abstracts you away from having to define those on an app-by-app -app basis because the, the platform hides all of the sort of technical and system requirements. Uh, so so really, it, it in some ways, it's liberating or freeing that you, you really only have to focus on the business use case and in, in the top-level business vision but but nailing that right and not skipping over that is 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 really key. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Uh, one of the one of my favorite quote is the Mario Andretti quote in the book. But the my probably my second favorite quote that you have in the book is from Voltaire, which is, "Don't let perfection stand in your way of good, or don't let perfection be the opposite of good." Right. Um, right. And it's 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 that idea of start with the idea of the fundamentals. What are the pieces that you're building upon, and then you can work through the different stages of the no-code approach to really help iterate on a lot of those things. So let's let's move on just a little bit as we as we move past the business use case uh, approach or section of the approach. The next thing you talk about is the options analysis, and this is covered very heavily in chapter eight. And we'll throw another graphic up here, but the 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 chapter eight, the options analysis, this is very much focused on the should I use no code. What are the differences between package SaaS applications, custom development, and no code? That's really what options analysis is all about. How did you and Catherine think about this as you put together this this graphic? Well, it, it really is is intended to be a, a a new option, right? Everyone's used to the buy and the build, um, and so that's pretty well understood, I think, in terms of the some of the trade offs. Um, but but people are never satisfied with <laughs> buy or build in my experience, right? The, the buy uh, off the shelf is always constraining. They always want to customize parts of their business process. The build, you know, they get everything they want, but it, it takes a long time and, and, and there's risks and it's expensive. And so when we thought about no code, it really was that sort of best combination of both of those two. It doesn't mean that it's always the only answer, right? I think it is... It is a good answer, and we tried to lay out uh, sort of a framework in, in that options analysis phase for for really deciding when to use it. Um, but it 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 works well when you have processes ultimately that need uh, a lot of unique uh, sort of customization for for the needs of of your business. If if you've got something that is really you know sort of well understood, defined, you know you're you're trying to perform sort of, you know, financial <laughs> sort of processing for invoices that it's, you know, it, it's really sort of repeatable and there's no change at all to your process. Maybe buying an off-the-shelf, you know, finance or accounting package is what you need. But for a lot of processes that that you use day-to-day, -day, they, they require more customization. And that's where we saw no code as providing that best of both worlds. Um, yeah, so so not only the the best of both worlds from a from a the ability to configure 
uh, for unique solutions, really niche requirements, but also giving you the speed and the agility that package SaaS applications typically provide. So I think that I think that you guys did a really good job of laying that out. And and it kind of goes hand in hand. And, and we're not talking about it in detail today, but earlier in the book, in chapter five, you talk about the um, you, you talk about your your who do I enable and who do I empower? And I think that part of the options analysis is not just the what technology I'm going to use. It's who am I going to involve and what skill sets do I need? What what stakeholders do I need? So I think that it kind of all falls in this this same area. Right. So whether we're talking whether we're talking which platform, but we're always talking, we're also talking about the speed, we're talking about the complexity, right? So I think all those pieces kind of fall right in here in this phase one, phase two stage, which talks about the, 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 what are, what am I really trying to get to and who do I need involved to solve this problem? So as we, yeah. Well, I was going to say that the who is important because people forget about sort of the need to, you know, maintain and evolve the application. And, you know, and so if you if you create a, you know, a, a solution architecture that is got too many moving pieces and is, you know, highly complex, it's it's difficult for the business to support and maintain it with agility that they want to. And, and so a big, you know, driver and one of the things we talked about is use no code uh, whenever you can. It's not that we're just blindly drinking the no code Kool-Aid, but it's this belief that the business uh, fundamentally sees value from you know, simpler, simpler approaches to things is easier to maintain, easier to support, faster to change over time. Um, and so that's one of the big drivers is simpler is better, fewer moving pieces, bet on no code as you're, as you're thinking about all the building blocks that you want to compose into an architecture. Well, you talk about building blocks and, and it's, it's fun in the book. A lot of the graphics and illustrations fall, fall in two categories, right? One is the Alice in Wonderland. Don't go down the rabbit hole if you don't really want to. The other one is the, the building block idea, taking pieces. Um, and, and, you know, we, we talk about composability and, and building blocks upon blocks upon blocks to iterate to solve a lot of the problems. And, and the next next stage that you talk about in the no-code approach is the design and prototype phase. Now, this phase, I think, is very similar to um, some of, especially in the agile world, it's very similar to kind of your, your iteration planning, right? But I think the big difference here is the speed, right? Getting to that, I can wireframe up, have the front end, the back end, all of these things taken care of with speed that I just can't do even in SaaS applications. How do you see design and prototyping really being different in the no-code approach versus maybe in the SaaS application world? Yeah, in a couple of key ways. Uh, You know, one is, you know, uh, first of all, the the design and prototyping stage is about um, still thinking very broad uh, and, and, and validating the business use case that we defined in stage one. Um, and making sure that you have alignment with the business. And so it's it's really easy for a lot of teams to try to go too deep and they're trying to get every last screen and field and rule completely defined. But, but the goal in this stage is actually to, to stay, stay broad and, and look at the completeness of the vision. Um, the, the ability that you just mentioned that you, you have to very immediately show something back to the business, get their feedback, that's so powerful because it, it elicits... Um, areas that you may be off course or that you may not be aligned much earlier. And so instead of waiting till the end of the project, realize, oh, we, we, we missed this rather crucial alignment point. You, you discover those up front. Um, 
and in it's in a way that is very easy for the business to respond to. So you, you can give the business, you know, mounds and mounds of paperwork or written documentation, but it's hard a lot of times for them to really give you the, the, the feedback that you want, whereas being able to visually show them an, an actually working prototype is so powerful and gets you better feedback and allows for uh, the last point I would call out is is just out of the box thinking because you're you're willing and able to ideate and, and to imagine things and the cost of trying to prototype them is very low right because it's so fast and approachable and so it encourages more front end innovation uh, which which I think is extremely powerful before you've committed to delivering everything yet you want to get the business to really think broadly and to have you know these breakthrough tremendous innovative ideas that they can bring. To the discussion that helps you shape then in later stages the the vision for MVP and what you need to actually deliver. Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree, and I think we're going. You, you mentioned collecting feedback real time. We're going to talk about the feedback loop here in just a couple of minutes, but it's you start in this section of the no code approach. You start to see a coalescence of the project team members, the delivery methodology, the technology that no code brings, really all starting to work together to lead to what we'll ultimately talk about in the next podcast, which is leading towards everyday delivery. So let's let's move past the design and prototype. And, and as we do this, we're kind of moving through the no-code playbook a little bit more. And we're, we're getting into kind of chapter 10 and chapter 11 area, which is really focused on things like project assignment. And the first thing you talk about in here is defining an MVP. Now, for most of those who are initiated, an MVP is a minimum viable product. It's that set of core requirements that you absolutely have to have. And you talked about your pyramid of, of requirements earlier. It's that set of requirements that's the gotta haves from day one, right? It's the, I need X in order to be able to justify the effort. So when you think about the project assignment, it's it's a combination of the what and the who. So early in the playbook, you define the different stakeholders and there's some new stakeholders um, that we've talked about in a previous episode. There's some new stakeholders that come to the table, right? So we've got our no-code creators, We've still got our project stakeholders. We've got um, no-code architects. That's a new persona that's part of the project assignment. Talk to me about how these existing personas and new personas come into play. And as we start thinking about project assignment and moving towards an MVP, how does all of this work together? Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of concepts that sort of all come together. You've hit on a bunch of them. And, and the way that they sort of will, will ultimately sort of be part of the equation that, that leads you to the right uh, solution is, is based around a concept we, we talked about called the application matrix, right? Which application matrix was was a very powerful concept when Catherine and I, you know, sort of talked about a way to, to tie it all together. But the application matrix, once you have started really defining and prioritizing the scope for MVP, allows you to measure the complexity of the application, uh, the business, the governance, and the technical complexity of the application. That will then identify the the type of delivery model that makes sense for for the for the app, and so it may be that you're able to deliver it as a you know as a fully contained sort of do it yourself you know application. The business uh, has the skills it needs right inside the team to deliver that, or they may determine that they need help uh, support from a center of excellence, or they may need help from professional developers and a fusion team type of model. And so each of these different delivery models sort of is you know, is part of the application matrix process where you will, you will define that. And then the, that also then along with that has defined roles that are 
than roles that you should include as part of the project team. So all yeah, of that it, sort of is talked about in, in earlier chapters, but it really comes together, you know, in practice in that in that fourth stage on the on the project assignment. Yeah, and I was going to bring that up because the application matrix, we talk about it early on when we talk about uh, what is no code and how to think about no code. And the application matrix is actually back in chapter five of the book, but you're right. A lot of these concepts now, because we talk about the the different personas, the, the, the existing, the new personas, the um, the application matrix, right? The governance the co- or the complexity around governance, application um, technology, right? All that complexity and trying to figure out, is it a DIY? Is it a COE? Is it a fusion team approach that needs to be applied? All of that comes together right here. And it's, in, yeah. it's important to have that fundamental. I think you guys do a really good job of laying those fundamentals out in chapters one through four of the book. And, and in chapter 10, you really kind of pull it all together. And, and I think that that's, that's a great way to summarize it the way you just did. As I look really at the next step, and, and I'm going to bring up a new graphic here. Um, and this next step is really around prototype to MVP. Now, this right here, I think, is the most powerful thing when we talk about the use of no-code tools that, you know, solutions developers... Um, platforms like Creatio, like some of the other no-code tools out there, have the ability to bring a working prototype together so quickly. And by so quickly, I mean, give me a couple hours, I'll have it for you, right? It, once I have the requirements. This this idea of building a prototype to MVP and just iterating on this prototype, how do you see this as, as transformational? And I talked to, in a previous episode about I, with Isaac Sacklock from Star CIO, talked about how this right here is so transformational when it comes to companies thinking about building applications specifically with no-code platforms. Why is this so revolutionary? Well, uh, there's, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, in prototyping is not a new concept, but it, you know, traditional prototyping would be using tools like Figma or other, you know, wireframe, you know, and UX design prototyping, and, and they all result in sort of the same output, which is. Uh, you've got a diagram that then someone has to completely reinterpret, right? And so you, you hand it over the wall, the mythical wall, so to speak, and the dev has to take this and then reinterpret it and and then ultimately start writing a bunch of infrastructure code and functional code to, to reinterpret that. And so much can get lost in translation, right? In the book, we talk about, you know, the, the game of telephone, right? And, and there's so many things that can actually go wrong with those handoffs when you you, you go from prototype to to the real application, whereas in no code, um, there's a high fidelity transition. In fact, you don't even perhaps notice that there's a transition because you the same the same application that you were prototyping simply just gets richer in terms of adding more depth, more completeness of the application, and so it's it's much more evolutionary as you enter into the real the real application. Um, the other transformational thing is it's not only the fidelity of what gets handed off and the speed at which things get handed off, but but also the fact that instantly from day one, you can show it back to the business, right? And so classically, when you kicked off development, you would be waiting a long time before you could demo even the most primitive <laughs> screens or or parts of the application back. But but in this prototype MVP, you, you already had something that you were showing to the business. And every day, and we'll talk about this when we get into feedback, every day you can sit down with the business and you can show them the continuous sort of stream of new things that you're adding into the application. And so the partnership and the and the feedback you get with the business and IT is transformational. 
I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that you, you've absolutely nailed the thing on the head, which is not only does it facilitate speed, it facilitates feedback, which is often very lacking in application development. Um, a lot of times, you know, organizations and, and development teams will take all the requirements, go build in a black box and then go, ta-da, here it is. And then the end users go, that's not what I wanted at all. So the, the use of no code and the no code approach really helps drive that real-time feedback from the get-go. So <clears throat> we're going to pick up in our next podcast and, and we're going to pick up in the feedback loop and move forward from there. But I think it's important for the listeners and the viewers of the podcast to understand a couple of things. This is not the, the it's not linear, right? There's You're going to build these feedback loops and you're going to build these development life cycles in tandem. And you could be doing two or three fusion teams or two or three projects all working together to help achieve an outcome. And it's how you meld these things together with you, within your organization that is really what's going to make the, the motor hum. Burley, I want to thank you for your time today on, uh, on our podcast. And we're going to get back together very, very soon to talk more about the no-code approach. So thank you, Burley. We've greatly appreciated it. Thank you, Jason. So for those of you who are watching us on our YouTube channel, please make sure you like and subscribe to this video channel. For those of you who are listening on your favorite podcast platform, we hope that you've enjoyed your time together. Check out our previous episode on your various and favorite platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. To get more information about our products and services, visit our website at www.creatio.com. And for more insights and upcoming events, please check out our events page, which is creatio.com backslash events. Until next time, thank you for joining us.